Let's turn now to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning and we come delighting in your Son. We come rejoicing in your Son. We come thankful for your Son. We come as a people who are in need of your Son. With every waking hour, with every moment, every day, every week, every month, every year. And that will not end. It will continue on into eternity. And eternity's eternity. And we look forward to that day where we will be with him forever and ever and ever. Thank you for your tremendous goodness towards people who are uh, not worthy of it. But we praise you for it. We thank you even now for mercies that we are uh, eating and drinking from and being able to gather here this morning uh, to praise you openly and rejoice in you gladly. Um, And so may you help us to continue to do that as we turn to your word. May you help us and prepare our hearts and even right now as we are getting ready to turn to your word that you would Help every person here to seek your face. To say, even now, I will say yes to your word. I will obey it. I will follow you in it. And I will follow your son. And so may you help every one of us to come. And for those here who maybe don't know you, even if you're here and you're that person, that you would say, I'm ready to hear from God. So may you work, Lord, and may you bless our time as we have it together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last week, if you've been with us over these rather quick weeks, we've uh, walked through the book, The Minor Prophet of Habakkuk, together. And last week, we came to the end of that series, walking through that book, well, If you remember in Habakkuk, uh, we saw what? Again and again, we saw this theme, the righteous shall live by faith. Well, this morning we turn to now a new series then through the Gospel of John, where we are given the very clear object of our faith, Jesus Christ. So the righteous shall live by faith in Him. And so we are turning now to look and wonder at our Savior. So early on in my Christian walk, I remember, and maybe this was you as well, you heard this, perhaps hearing again and again, if you want to start reading the Bible, a good place to begin is the Gospel of John. I know I heard that number of times, and maybe you did. Uh, Well, you know, John's gospel, it is simple, and rightly so, I mean, you're encouraged to go there because it makes the gospel plain. And that's why many people encourage you to go there. So now, 18 years since I became a Christian, I can say it is most certainly true. John's gospel is rather easy to read and does indeed make the gospel plain. However, if you're like me, I've also noticed 
over the, the years, as I've matured and as I've grown in my understanding of Scripture, and I still am, by the way, I found that John's Gospel is easy to read, but is also, my oh my, very deep. Right? I mean, it can be read simply, yet, wow, I mean, there are wondrous things there to behold in the Gospel of John. And so my hope then is that over the next year or so, that this gospel would deepen and bolster your faith in Christ as the one who is the certain object of our faith. The gospel would become sweeter in all of its simplicity and its depth. Our Savior would become more precious and glorious to you as well. That's my hope as we come to this gospel. And if you come to this gospel ready for that, I trust the Lord will do that work in your hearts. So if you would, please turn with me then to the opening verses of this gospel, the gospel of John. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. May God... Awaken, rekindle, and inflame our hearts at the reading of his word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made. Through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Amen. Now, before we dive officially into these opening verses, it's appropriate for us first to ask, why did John write this gospel? So, regardless of whatever book of the Bible that you're in, each book has an overarching theme or purpose for which it is written. You know, sometimes as you are studying the Word of God, you have to dig really deep and you have to study really hard to identify that purpose. While at other times, it's right there on the surface and you can see it almost immediately. Well, thankfully, John, he makes his purpose rather plain for us. You don't have to dig or look for very long to find it, because he tells us exactly what his purpose is in this gospel. So near the end of the gospel, John, he writes there in John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31, he tells us the purpose, and here it is. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, 
the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. Amen. Amen. And that is, that's the purpose of the Gospel of John. That is what you should be looking for as we walk through it. You're going to be seeing Him doing particular things, saying, look at Jesus. Look how incredible He is. Look at the signs He's doing. Look at the miracles He's doing. This is the Christ. Believe. And that's what we should expect to see because that is exactly what He is going to be doing. And so we see John's Gospel is written so that you may believe. Now if you are a believer here, you may be hearing that and you say, okay, well, I'm a believer. I guess this Gospel is not for me. (laughs) Well, this does not mean that when you hear this, that you say to yourself, I'm good. You know, I can throw this gospel into the I don't need this anymore pile. That's not how we come and we are to approach this gospel. No, this gospel is intended to awaken dead sinners and to enliven redeemed saints. It is to direct hearts to glory in and treasure Jesus as we behold Him in this book. It is to lead the lost to the Savior and is to lead the found to be abiding in their Savior. So to His children, Jesus says, Abide in Me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me. So my goodness, do not put this in that pile that you'll never return to. This is for you and for me, for the lost and for the found alike. We need Jesus. So in other words, come to this Gospel recognizing that you and that we need Jesus. We don't just need Him at the beginning, but we need Him today, we need Him tomorrow, and we need Him forever. There's no time when it's okay to get over Jesus. And if you get over Jesus, you should be worried. You might this will serve as something of a warning for you. If you've gotten over Jesus, you might have never had Him in the first place. So we need Jesus and others need Jesus as well. Your one needs Jesus. So a few weeks ago, I set forth the vision for Haven for 2020, and that vision is this. It's simple. Seek to reach one person for the sake of the gospel. And so I asked, who is your one? And so your one needs Jesus. Your neighbor needs Jesus. The attendant at the gas station needs Jesus. Children and students here, your classmates and your teachers need Jesus as well. 
and your family, everyone, and your family members need Jesus. They do not need the foggy buffet form of spirituality that we see today. They need Jesus and the true spirituality that is found only in Him. I mean, there really is no other form of true spirituality. Our soul and spirit needs Christ. And it does not function correctly outside of Him. So you can't truly say you are spiritual outside of Christ. People don't need spirituality, according to Oprah. You know, a few years ago, Oprah, you know her. Uh, I don't know how you wouldn't know her. But she had an atheist on her show. No problem with that. I mean, that's that's completely fine, of course. But uh, Diana Nyad, she had on her show, and they were having a, a conversation and about various things and about really kind of her spirituality, Diana's, this atheist spirituality. And as the uh, conversation progressed, Diana said that even though she doesn't believe in a God, she looks out and she feels a sense of wonder and awe at nature. That she could, she could stand before the ocean and just see it and weep at what she is beholding. Well, Oprah, after hearing all this, she kind of you know, interjects. She says, well, I don't call you an atheist then. I think if you believe in the awe and the wonder and the mystery, then that's what God is. It's not, not that bearded guy in the sky. Well, the kind of spirituality that Oprah is setting forth for us here is essentially this. Oh, it doesn't matter who or what you believe in. Just believe in something. Well, the Gospel of John, it comes and says this is absolutely false. It comes and it tells us it matters. It is only in believing in Jesus that you may have life in His name. What we need is not a hodgepodge spirituality. We need a specific, real person, Jesus Christ. It is in Him and Him alone that there is found true hope, true life, and true salvation. You stand in awe of the things that God has made that you may look to Him and not rebel against Him instead and say that there is a God who is not there. You are to say, oh my, there must be a God who is there and I need to find Him and seek Him out. So he is saying and he is calling with the Gospel of John and he's calling everyone here, believers included, and everyone in Alabama and everyone in our nation and everyone throughout the world. Believe in him. And let us unashamedly trust him. There is a God and he has spoken and he has come to save any and all who would look to Christ And believe in Him. So sinners and saints alike, may you and may I look to Him. I need Jesus. We need Jesus. 
And the world needs Jesus. Every person. Everywhere. Not one person who does not need Him. And so, with this purpose then, before us, we come to the first words of this Gospel. John, he begins with exalting the Word. It begins telling us, like we said, we know the purpose now. And exactly like we would expect Him to do, knowing that purpose, He begins to tell us who this Jesus is. He is a man. He is fully human. But He is more than that. Jesus goes way back. So John, he intentionally brings us back, as you probably already have seen and recognized, back to the Old Testament. He brings us back to the first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, begins the same way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then, what is John right here? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so with these opening words, we are meant to see that God is doing wondrous things. Something incredible is happening. Here is the One who will bring about creation anew. Here is the One who will make all things new. So there in Genesis 1, you know in your Bibles, right then, everything was okay, wasn't it? Nothing was wrong in Genesis chapter 1. But that is not the case when we come to John chapter 1. As John writes this, everything is not okay. Sin has devastated everything. Every person born into this world is born immediately a slave to sin. And renovation is not enough. Sin has not just affected the exterior, what you are on the outside, but it goes down deep even to the very fabric of who you are. Right now, people are on spiritual renovation projects. They are pursuing religious renovation when renovation is not enough. If I do good, you know, if, I, if I go to church, if, I, if I'm a good spiritual person, if I do good works, if I Believe, at least in something, perhaps that will clean this mess up. Maybe I can even make my own meaning of life and make up why I exist on my own and my own identity and figure out all this stuff and then the mess will get cleaned up. No, no. Once the sugar is put into the tea, it is not easy to take it out again. Reach in all you like 
And again and again, what will happen? It will slip through your fingers. They are essentially shooting a water pistol at a raging inferno. You will not put out this mess that way. Well, Jesus did not come to renovate. He came to make you new. And that is exactly why the Gospel of John comes and starts this way. Here is He who is coming to make all things new. Creation in the beginning. Creation again. Creation restored through Christ. So He did not come to renovate the house you're in. He came to build a whole new one. The Word who was from the beginning came to bring about a new beginning. This Word has come on a mission to save the sinner, the broken, those desperately in need of mercy and hope and life. Is that not every one of us here? And if, if you're here and you haven't realized that, if that's you here this morning, the Gospel is for you also. It's for all of us. I need mercy from God. You need it. This is a gospel for sinners. So welcome all prostitutes or sinners or poor or rich or whoever you are from wherever you come. Come. This gospel says, come and believe and drink from the fountain of life and you will have salvation through Him. Incredible. This is the one who is coming and is come. But as we come to these opening verses, we are being challenged as well. Here, we must come to terms with the Word. So we are to believe not just in any Jesus. But we are to believe in this Jesus. And so there are two particular Jesuses we must do away with here. So first, it is not okay to say Jesus was simply a good teacher. You know, some some seem to think it's okay to accept Jesus is simply another teacher that they can, you know, kind of put on their shelf along with other great teachers, you know, at least according to their standards, you know, or philosophers throughout history. And so they say, you know, let's, let's look at all of the great teachers that I've collected. You know, see here I've got on my shelf, I've got, you know, Socrates, I've got Aristotle, I've got Plato, and oh yeah, by the way, there's also Jesus. See, he's on there too. He was a great moral teacher as well. Well, he certainly did teach and what he taught was certainly good. But the opening words of this gospel are saying more than that. The word was not just there in the beginning. He was there before the beginning also. The Word was there from all of eternity. Before there was time, He was there. Distinct from the Father, He was God. And the Word was 
God. He was with God, and the Word was God. And so it will not do to put this Word on the shelf as some great teacher alongside all these other ones. C.S. Lewis. You will probably recognize his name. Many of you for a variety of reasons, but he was the well-known author as well of the Chronicles of Narnia. But he famously challenges those who put Jesus into their collection of good teachers. He says this, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I am ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God, is what they say. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must take your choice, make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So, like I said, we must come to terms with this word. Not simply as some good teacher, but him who is and was and always has been God. So we must clear the table of that one. And then second, it is not okay to say he was a God. In 320 AD, there was a man by the name of Arius He used this verse along with another one, actually the one David read in Colossians chapter 1, to essentially say that there was a time when the Son was not. He was a God, a God, but not the one triune God. So, modern day Jehovah Witnesses, they have essentially kind of carried on this view They translate this verse, verse 1 of John here, as this. So the last kind of part of verse 1. And the word was a God. So that's how they translate it. So why would they do that? You may have a Jehovah Witness knock at your door one day. And we've already said every single person needs Jesus. And we've already said every person needs this Jesus. So we need to be able to tell them about this Jesus. So why do they, why do, they do that? Well, they, they argue that since verse 1 lacks an article, so an article like the in the Greek, it should be translated, the word was a God. So the phrase, the word was God, that we have here in our Bibles, in the Greek does not literally say The word was the God. So you see, that's what's missing in the Greek, that the, right there. So they conclude then, because of that, then that 
he is divine, but not God. Not he is that he is a God. So this is this is not a small issue. This mean you go to heaven or you go to hell. You get this wrong, and you are no longer talking about Jesus and the one who can save you, but you're talking about someone else. So is he God or not? Well, there are a number of reasons why this is not how this should be translated. First, there was a word in the Greek for saying just that. If you wanted to say that this person was divine, you could do that. There was a word for saying they were divine, but not God. And John did not use that word. That's one reason. And he would have known that word as well. Second, John is writing this very carefully. When we get through the entirety of the Gospel of John, you will be amazed at how careful he is in everything he writes. He is trying to show that the Word is God, but the Word is not the entirety of the Godhead. God is one, yet there are persons that make up the Godhead. God is Trinity. And he could not have shown that if he had put the article there. He would have been saying, Jesus is all of God. So you see how careful John is here? He's being very careful in the way he is writing. He is aware of the fact that he does not have an article there. Third, the whole Gospel argues, this whole Gospel of John argues against seeing Jesus as merely a God, even in these opening verses. This word was the eternal word. And we see that in these verses. The word was with God. The word was there in the sense, and this is the way it's being used, in the sense of going on and on and on forever kind of was. That's what he's saying with that word was. With the tense. And so it is this word who made all things and this with an exclamation point. To make it extra clear, if you didn't see that word was and see the internality of it, he says, by the way, anything in the category of made, he made all that. Anything that was made and everything that was made, the Word made. So he could not have been created, is his point. John writes, and without him was not anything made that was made. So anything in the category of made, he made. We come away from all that, all this, and say, with the Bible then, He is either God or He is not Jesus. So, if someone says to you that He is a God, He is either God or He is not Jesus. So let's say someone came up to me, you know, 
one day and said, Hey, Andrew, you know, I think I met your wife the other day. So, you know, as you do probably do the same thing, you know, oh, yeah, well, great. Where did you guys, you know, where did you meet her? Uh, He said, well, uh, you know, I I, I said, oh, I I saw her at a motorcycle uh, convention. Well, right then and there, I'm already saying in my mind, this is probably not my wife. I don't know why she would be there. I've never seen her go to a motorcycle convention. This is very likely not my wife, but let's, just for the sake of conversation and making sure somehow my wife, you know, maybe she got lost, asked for directions, you know, whatever uh, was the case there. She ended up at a motorcycle convention. Who knows? So for the sake of continuing the conversation, you know, I say, oh, wow, okay. Well, I'm not sure my wife's, you know, been to a motorcycle convention before uh, or anything like that. Uh, let me just ask, you know, what, what did my wife look like? Trying to make sure what's going on here with this uh, person he met. So he says, oh, well, you know, she was tall uh, and she had blonde hair. Now I know. <laughs> now I know this is not my wife. He is most certainly talking about someone else. Well, so also, if we, if we come to Jesus, and it is not the Jesus that we see here as a God-man, we have not met the same Jesus. And it is not, we are not talking about the same Jesus. We're not talking about the one who came into the world to save sinners. You're talking about someone totally different. And that means, if you don't know this Jesus, you don't know Jesus. And it is to this Jesus you are called. The one who is God and is man. And as such then, our response rightly should be worship. It would be utterly inappropriate for you to be convinced that Jesus is God and that He came and that He is the Messiah for our sinners and yet not give Him all of your life. Not bow down and worship to Him as Lord and as God over everything. And if this is true, which it is, He has complete authority over your life as well. And you can either say, have it all, or you can have your way. And my, you don't want your way. And so, also then, listen to Him. Listen to Him. This Jesus. As the Word, He came as the message of God. Not an accident, He used the Word here. Thus God says to us, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. So, it is only in this Jesus that there is real hope. We cannot say that of anyone else, any other spirituality, any other religion, any other philosophy. It is only in Him. He is the life and light for all ages. With a fall, it brought death and darkness. He comes then as the life and the light to bring life 
and light in the midst of the darkness. Right now, you may be under that death. You may be here and you may be living right now in darkness. You know, I I starkly remember, you know, before I came to faith in Christ, just how dark my life was prior to trusting Jesus. And it was exactly like this. It, It seemed like when I put my faith in Him, like scales fell from my eyes. I, could, I was in darkness, but now, all of a sudden, I now, at that moment, had life, and my eyes could see light for the first time. Life and light had come in the midst of the darkness. And it can come for you as well. Amen. Christ, He has come. He comes testifying and His coming testifies to the Word, to the whole world that life has come. Light has pierced through the darkness. Will you believe? Will you turn to Him who can give you life this morning? May the darkness be lifted for you this morning. Maybe you're sitting right there. It's you. You know that in your mind and in your heart, there rests over it a sense of lostness, darkness, hopelessness, godlessness. And Jesus has come to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So come. Come, he says, and drink and be filled. So may your spiritual deadness turn to life. So here and now and all, one and all, see that death and darkness do not have the final word. It is this word that shall not fail. It is this word that is and will forever be the final word. Even our final word for the ages and ages to come. What a beginning. May we look to this Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask as we come to you after having heard the opening words of this gospel, it would certainly be unfitting for us to come away without worshiping. So help our hearts be lifted up. Help us, Lord, to exalt in this Jesus. Help us, Lord, to trust in this Jesus, the one who is God and man the one who has come to bring about creation anew, to make what is old new. The old has come, or the old is gone, the new has come. And so, Father, we pray for every one of us here. May we glory in this word. May you be with anyone here who needs to trust in Christ this morning. 
May you help them to respond to your word. And if there's anyone here who simply needs to respond in obedience to something that you've been telling them for a long time, may you help them to respond. Anyone who may need to pray, that they would come and pray. Anyone who needs to come, may they come. We love you. Help us respond to your word now and beyond now. In Jesus' name, amen.